915 Bischoff's brief. Sometimes I don't know if Jared didn't read the rundown or if he's just incompetent. No, I wanted you to preview. Hey, we'll talk more about the U.S. team at 915 because I don't have any Raiders sound because John Gruden isn't talking until after the show. Today. Can you inform us uh, your Mike Glennon findings? Mike Glennon is apparently a member of the New York Giants. How? He's number two. He's the backup to, to, to him? Really? So when Daniel Jones gets hurt, Daniel Jones goes down? Apparently, and he's his jersey costs $120, which is about $115 over our budget. (laughs) We will buy a Mike Glennon jersey to give away when he is out of the league, which we all assumed he already was. Which also, apparently, there is an option to buy a Mike Glennon NFLPA shirt. (laughs) For fifty four ninety nine, and I don't even think Mike Glennon's mom is buying a Mike Glennon NFL PA shirt. They, di- they didn't even carry a three. I'm looking at their depth chart. He's it. <laughs> oh boy, they didn't even carry a third. All right, wow. So let's talk about some projections for the Raiders and the NFL. Uh, first off, we have uh, DVOA Football Outsiders. They are projecting the Raiders to win seven point nine games. This season and giving them a 31 and a half percent chance to make the playoffs. So basically an eight and nine record, 32% chance at the playoffs. 538 is projecting that the Raiders will go seven and 10 and have them at a 24% chance to make the playoffs. So what do you make of their odds to make the playoffs being somewhere I mean, between 25 and 35%? I mean, he's 40 and 40 in three years. So he's a 500 coach since coming back. So I don't know why. He's not even that good. And well, these aren't even like seven and ten. It's not even that eight and nine. I mean, no, I'm saying he's worse than forty and forty in three years. I think it's forty and forty. No, they haven't been over five hundred yet. I'll check. Great radio, guys. (laughs) Yeah, I will say the wishes he was forty and forty. He's. He's nineteen and twenty nine. Where to get four? Um, there's something about forty and forty. Was it was it the last time he was there? It might have been the last time he went to he went to the Super Bowl, but Since, they were bad for. What was he before? What was he? What was he before? Uh, well, in Tampa, he was fifty seven and fifty five. What was he his first time in here? Oakland? He was thirty eight and twenty six. Okay, so I have no idea where I get forty and forty. I think that was that not. <laughs> what did I get? Was where that, did I go? There's something that's forty was that and forty. That Burgers. I don't know. There's something that deals with him, and it's forty and forty. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Oh, He's well. 19 and 29 right. since coming back. All right, to so coach the I'm going to find the number of why okay. is where 40 and 40 comes from. And if not, I'm going to fly to Winnipeg and get a lawless sandwich. So <laughs> I don't know where it is. It's going to be an expensive trip. Yeah, it is. All right, look. But at the end of the point, day, he's nineteen and twenty. At the end of the day, I think they're going eight and nine because he's a five hundred coach in my mind. <laughs> so there you go. And I and I only came up with the five hundred coach because I thought at some point the guy was forty and forty. I so, also would say that I would not trust him. Like, I would not trust anything five thirty eight puts out as far as projections because uh, they've they got in twenty sixteen they got something really wrong. Yeah, they're right on most things though. They're pretty good most of the time. So. Both 538 and uh, Football Outsiders project Kansas City at 11 wins. Kansas City win the division, 11 wins. But what's interesting is that they also both project the Denver Broncos to finish ahead of the Raiders. Is there any reason you think the Broncos are going to be ahead of the Raiders this year? Absolutely none. I do not. 
I think the Chargers are going to be ahead of the Raiders. I don't think the Broncos are going to be ahead of the Raiders. DVOA has the Chargers last in the AFC West. I don't believe that. I don't. So here's the logic behind the Broncos being ahead of them. They have the best defense in the division. And if okay. Teddy Bridgewater is not a disaster, they can conceivably win a lot of low-scoring games. I would not be surprised if the Broncos finish ahead of the Raiders or the Chargers because I think at the end of the day, you're looking at three teams in this division behind the Chiefs that are all kind of the same. I don't think there's a lot oh, separating yeah, no the Chargers, right. Raiders, and Broncos. I think, I think when we get to the end of the season, one of those teams is going to have nine wins, one of those teams is going to have eight wins, and one of those teams is going to have seven wins. I would guess it'll be Chargers, Raiders, Broncos. But if the Broncos win a couple of close games and the Chargers lose a couple, it could be the Broncos that finish in second. I still think the Broncos are the worst team in this division. I'm not going to be that shocked if they finish second in the division just because I don't think the Raiders or the Chargers are actually good enough to where you say, oh, yeah, they're much, much better. Than no, the it's a it's a kind of a gut feel. And I will say that I might be over evaluating his ability, but f- I'm a huge Justin Herbert fan. Right. And I think he's really good. And I think he's going to be better than he was last year. And that's why I'm picking Kansas City. Chargers, Raiders, Denver. And I'm I'm on board with you. And I think there's a great chance Justin Herbert like takes that next step as a quarterback. I he, and so I think he's a, might, right. maybe this year the second best quarterback in the right. in the division. Like I think there's a chance he cements himself as like, oh, that's one of the top six guys in the yeah, league or he's something. Really like that. good, I think. I think there's a chance that happens this year with Justin Herbert. But I think there's also a decent chance. He's at the same or regresses even a little bit. And if that happens, then the Chargers are where they were last year, which is right with the Raiders as sort of a 500 or right above 500 type of team. So I, but I, again, I don't have enough confidence that the Chargers actually are going to take that massive jump and be a 12 win team and finish second in the division or even challenge the Chiefs at the end of the day. I think they're all close enough that, yeah, those are. Those are the three teams, and any order you put them in is fairly realistic. I do think if you're looking at the Raiders, though, 31.5% chance to make the playoffs, 24% chance to make the playoffs, that's really low. Like, that's really low low for, hey, it's year four. Hey, the general manager just said, we know we have to make the playoffs this year. But why would, again, why would anyone at this point, and look, I think they'll be better defensively because I think it's hard to be worse than they were defensively. But there's a lot of questions on that defense. You know, will Littleton be Littleton? All these kids like, you know, people like Arnett and others who have not played up to their potential. K.J. Wright, I think, is a very good player coming in right now. So why would anyone looking at it unbiasedly with an unbiased eye think they're better than eight and nine? I don't think, I don't know why. I mean, I know people do, and I think they're on the shade of being a little bit of fans. But if you just look at the last several years, 40 and 40, why would you think they'd be anything but eight and nine or at the top end, right? At the top end, nine and eight, right? How many years would he have to coach for him to have gone? Like, does, does that math even work? 80 games is six seasons. See, I'm in, I got to find this like, stuck in my head because I just Googled Gruden 4040 and a gallon stationary steamer came up. <laughs> I was hoping your own story came up. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. No. No. It's a gallon stationary steamer. All right. So uh, I read the internet wrong, and uh, Ed just pulls 40 and 40 out. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know where you got it. I don't know where I got it. I have no idea where I got that. What was, I'm telling you, what was uh, Otzelberger? No, I'm looking at my story right now. 
expected what has been a 19 and 29 record over three seasons. So I don't know where I got 40 and 40. <laughs> I don't know where I got that. I, because I go, had because I wrote about him this week and I have the right record in the story. Even if you go back, uh his last six seasons, he's won forty-one games. I'm trying to find at any point. In I don't his... know. It just stuck in my mind. But think <laughs> you worried the hell out of me because I Googled my story right away. Like, Jesus, <laughs> did I say this guy was 40 and 40? But no, I had the right. Thank God I had the right. And by the way, I hope someone on the desk would have said, this idiot just wrote this guy's 40 and 40. He's only won like eight games. He's 40 and 40 <laughs> in three seasons. So How I'm going to find it. I don't know. I'm going to find this and why I wrote it. But in the story, uh, we have the correct record. A 19 okay. right. That's good. That's wow. Good. <laughs> you were I've lost my over mind. There. This you might were... have nothing to do with Gruden. It might be like a story on like basketball or something. I don't even know what I'm talking about. I think they're eight and nine. If you ask me, you I think you're around that number. I think if you say, okay, right. actually I think they're eight and nine because I actually wrote it. I think they're gonna go eight and nine, but anything over that why would you think that? So the the optimism is okay, how does this team go from being roughly five hundred to winning eleven games or so to be a playoff team? You start on offense and you start with expecting them to be as good as they were last year, even though or they grew up the offensive better, line. Right. Yeah, but you're you're hoping, yeah, Ruggs and Edwards are going to be just fine. Yeah. Leatherwood, Good, and James are going to be just fine on the offensive line, and there's not going to be many injuries, and the offense is just like it was last yeah. year, ninth, 10th, 11th, best in the league. And then you flip to the defensive side. New defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley. That'll change things. Yannick Ngakwe is going to be the best edge rusher they've had in three seasons. Corey Littleton's going to be significantly going to be Corey better. Littleton. Trayvon Merrick's going to be a great second-round pick that starts right away. Casey Hayward's going to be a great sign. Like KJ writes the difference. Right. You go through and you're like, all right, there's five or six new names out there. And they're all if they're all good, then okay, the defense can go from being whatever they were, 30th or something last year, to being... 21st and okay now the 10th best offense 21st best uh, defense win a couple of close games you're 11 and 7 and you're in the playoffs yes that's or 11 that's and six. a lot to ask right but that's the problem that is asking everything to go right when in reality okay Yannick Ngakwe might be really good right KJ Wright might be really good but Trayvon Merrick as a rookie safety might not work out very well right and your offensive line might cause some problems in the run game struggles because they're not as good at run blocking anymore. And Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards might have some second year problems as well. It might not just be a big jump from year one to year two. And all of a sudden the offense, instead of being the ninth best in the league, the offense is the 14th best in the league and the defense. Yeah, it got better, but it only got to the 26th best in the league. And now the 14th best offense and the 26th best defense is eight and nine. I'm not seeing where where they're expecting the Chargers at seven. I don't know why I'm, I don't know whether it's 538 or whoever. I don't know why I'm a lot higher in the Chargers. Just, uh, I, I, I just think it's Kim. I just think I think he's really good. I think a lot of it's a lack of belief in the defense. It has like, to be because like you look at the, the three teams behind the Chiefs and the Broncos, well, Broncos have are the best defense. Far and away yeah. the best yeah. of the other two, yes. Of those three teams. And then if you look at the offense, Herbert and Carr, the Chargers and the Raiders, are going to have a better offense than the Broncos. Sure. But you can make the argument between, like, the the Broncos' skill position receivers. Like, Cortland Sutton's a good wide receiver. Jerry Judy Jerry could Judy. be really good, too. Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon is the running backs. Like, you can make the argument that, hey, if Teddy Bridgewater just doesn't screw it up, the offense will be fine. And if, if you're talking about the Broncos having the eighth or ninth best defense and, like, a fine offense that's 15th or 16th, that at the end of the day might be better than the Chargers. It might be better than the Raiders. And if the Raiders and Chargers have the 30th and 29th best defense, 
that they are who they are. They're below 500. I mean, I think Carr is really good. I think you're right. He could be a top 10 quarterback. And if he comes back and has a year like he did last year, he'll be really, really good. I just think the ceiling for Herbert, like you said, he could regress. But if he doesn't regress and he takes even a bigger one or two steps even forward, he's the second best quarterback in the, in the division. I think if you if you look at the three teams behind Kansas, behind City, Mahomes, the Broncos have the lowest floor. Things could go yes. really poorly right. and Denver could win three games, right? I don't I don't think the Chargers or the Raiders could win no. three games. No. I don't think that's even possible. No. And the team with the highest ceiling, I think, is the Chargers. They could be the team. Like, if you were to say the Chiefs don't win the division this year. I would say the Chargers It's would. because the Chargers won 13 or 14 yeah. games and Justin Herbert was awesome. It's hard to see the Raiders or the Broncos getting to where they win 13 right. or 14 games. But the, Chief, or the Chargers, I think they have the higher ceiling, whereas the Raiders are just kind of... I think they've got a low floor or a high floor and a low ceiling. Right. They are somewhere between seven and ten wins this year. That's probably what they're going to Ten gets be. you in, probably. Maybe. Maybe. There's the extra spot right. this year, but it wouldn't ten have gotten Ten probably you. gets you in. Ten Maybe. and six would not have gotten them in last year. No. They had to get to 11 last year. So ten okay. and seven. It, it just depends. It all depends on if the eight last nine wild don't. card. No, eight and nine. Well, no. No. Unless we have a really stupid AFC season and there's a lot of bad teams and just two teams that go undefeated. All right. Coming up next, oh, we're excited about teenagers playing soccer. But first, we got tickets to give away. We have a four-pack of tickets to go see UNLV take on Iowa State at Allegiant Stadium next weekend. So if you want to go watch UNLV in their second home game at Allegiant Stadium this year, we've got a pair of t- or four tickets for you. Excuse me. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We will take caller number 11 at 702-364-1100. Want to be part of the show? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and leave your opinion. Bischoff's Briefs. Son, I didn't understand a word you just said. Bischoff's Briefs. Hey, thanks. That is not a compliment. Ah, I disagree. Bischoff's Briefs. Okay, well, that was just a list of complete nonsense, but you're not totally wrong. Bischoff's Briefs. We have been saved by a beautiful teenager. Ricardo Pepe saved the day, 18 years old. He just picked the United States like three weeks ago to play instead of Mexico. His first career start, he scored the game-winning goal, had assist on goals three and four. Unbelievable. What a superstar Ricardo Pepe is. Uh, By the clips Jared played uh, 30 minutes ago, he appears to have had a nice game. Nice game. Excellent second half for Ricardo Pepe. He is uh, 18 years old. Get excited about Ricardo Pepe. So first off, (laughs) United States beats Honduras last night, four to one in a World Cup qualifier. They were down one nothing at halftime. Uh, Played horrible in the first half. According to Paul Kennedy, though, that was the most goals the United States has ever scored on the road in a World Cup qualifier with four. We have never scored four goals or more in a World Cup qualifier on the road. At home, we have. Oh, but not on the road. I was going to say, sometimes you run into some bad teams and qualifiers. Also, before last night, the United States, in road World Cup qualifiers, they were 1-33-6 when trailing at halftime in road World Cup qualifiers. 40 times in the past had they gone down at halftime in a road World Cup qualifier. They had only won once. And they'd only picked up a draw six other times. Last Jeez. night, 
down one nothing, come back and win four to one in the second half. It is only the second time ever that the U.S. has won a game in a World Cup qualifier on the road after being down at halftime. That's an amazing stat. And it's not like the, you know, the U.S. has been the greatest team, but one time. One, 33 and six. Because, again, you do get some. You play Honduras. I was going to say, well, you do get some lesser teams in some of these qualifiers. Okay. In the world of soccer, there are ball boys on the sidelines. When the ball goes out of play, there will yeah. be a ball boy with a ball ready to toss sure. another one so they can get the game they going. Get going. Because of COVID, ball boys kind of was like, eh, we don't want random kids throwing balls to the players right before they throw them in. So teams started using these little podiums, right? And so somebody would place the ball on the podium. So there's little podiums around the sidelines for players to just grab the ball and throw it in. Now, somebody still has to put the ball on the podium. Someone has to put the ball on. There's a nice little podium there. Last night during this game, we're playing in Honduras. Honduras doesn't have little podiums. They have traffic cones (laughs) they had traffic cones along the sideline to place the ball on so players could grab them and throw them in that's the country we're playing to go to the world cup i mean podium's one thing but wouldn't you you got a good chance that that ball keeps falling off the cone and they all stayed on and and then you have like three balls at once on the field uh, on the pitch no one knows which one to kick this is the damn country we're playing to and losing to at half, these guys are all in shape. Just let them run after the ball like the AYSO kids do and throw it in. Traffic cones. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's unbelievable <laughs> that we're playing against these countries with traffic cones. Now, some thoughts on the actual game here. Ricardo Pepe saved the day. A goal, two assists, helped us overcome that loss. The bigger issue, though, is that the striker position, the center forward position, has been the biggest question mark, We've the talked biggest about this on before. the roster. Josh Sargent and Ricardo Pepe both play that position, but uh, Greg Berhalter decided to change formation. He played with two strikers last night. Josh Sargent was horrible. He was awful last night. And this is the guy that's like, oh, maybe he could be the starting striker if we make the World Cup. He's the starting center forward. He was horrific. Greg Berhalter subbed him off at halftime, and once that happened, Ricardo Pepe had more space, and Pepe was awesome. And it's Living in the moment, it's hyperbolic, but Ricardo Pepe might be the number one option for this team as a striker right now. They're going to play World Cup qualifiers. Years old. They're going to play World Cup qualifiers again next month. Jossie Zardes still exists. Daryl DK is still exists, but Ricardo Pepe's leading Dallas uh, in Major League Soccer in goals right now. There's a good chance this kid's playing in Europe somewhere in the next. I was going to ask you, where's this kid play? Like he's he's good. Where's he's he play though? Dallas in Major League Soccer. He's MLS. Yeah. Okay, but there's a chance he's probably playing in Europe sometime soon. So he's good, and he's again. I'm living in the moment, but I think it's fair to say he might have vaulted to the top of the pecking order as far as who our top option is to play striker. And a lot of it's because Josh Sargent was terrible last night. It's because we don't have a true option there. Like Jossie Zardes is fine. But Jossie Zardes, we know who Jossie Zardes is. He's just fine. He's not going to get much better than that. Ricardo Pepe could be awesome I, there. I go back to the question you and I were having a discussion yesterday about the amount of people in this country who grow up playing soccer. How are we so lacking at such a critical position? Yeah, it's I, I'm asking you. Yeah. I have. I That's, don't know. I mean, I. Why would we ever be lacking? Now we. Now our, our striker might not be as good as the Brazil striker elsewhere. Right. I get that. 
But why are we so lacking at such a critical position in soccer with this many people in our country who play? Because we have legitimately good players at, at the other positions. Like we, okay. we have, we have a left winger that plays for Chelsea. We have a midfielder right. that plays for Juventus. We but have we another have a winger. A lot of people that we should right. be better at strikers. Right. No, I'm saying I'm, to your point. Yeah. Like we have really good players at other positions, but our strikers, like Josh Sargent. He's a, he's for he's playing for Norwich this season, right? Ricardo Pepe is 18 years old playing for Dallas. Daryl DK, I don't even know where he's playing now. He's played for Orlando and played for uh, was it Brentford or something? Played for some random team in the second division in in England. Like the the uh, Jossie Zardes is in Major League Soccer. Like the options at striker, like it's not great when you just look at the teams they play for professionally. It's amazing. It's, it doesn't make a lot of sense that we can have good players on really good teams across the world at pretty much every other position. And then striker like eh, who's there. So hopefully Ricardo Pepe saves us. Okay. That's my important question. My real important question is, did you watch this in Spanish or English? Spanish. Oh, Ooh. you didn't go li- illegal. No, I, yeah, it was on Spanish on my TV. So I just watched it. In How much did TV. you understand How- it other than the names? Uh, quite a bit. I mean, because really? they, it's, I mean, sports commentary, especially soccer, they just say like one or two words at a time a lot. <laughs> so like you hear like cabeza and you're like, oh, that's head. It's not like that hockey guy who never show, uh, always didn't have a watch because we like booked him on clay and I showed he never showed up. Jesus Christ. Uh, who man. was that? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. He talks a lot during a hockey game. You, I've heard him. I've heard him. Well, he's on the clips. radio. You got to talk yeah. a lot on the radio. Well, you got to. I mean, you can't have dead air. I mean, you're just okay. more than two words. Was the Spanish goal call better than the American goal call? Yeah, that's no, right. no, Spanish or English was better. Really? Really? Yeah. He said he said Pepe by name and Pepe in real life yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, that was pretty, great. Yeah. Listen, it was on. It was Mexican commentators. They don't want us to win. They're they're mad. They're mad when we score. They don't want us to win. So it's like Pepe. Yes. <laughs> we barely hear Mexican him. commentators. The whole referee crew was Mexican. We would. That was terrible. That was a terrible experience for us. Who do they go next? Who do they get next? Uh, they don't play till October. Here. Uh, they'll play two at home, one on the road. I want to say it's Jamaica, Costa Rica, and when's the Mexico? Panama. When's Panama. Mexico? I don't think we play them till December. Oh really? I don't think so. I think yeah. I don't think I think they're in our third window for okay. World Cup qualifying. I think I'll have to double All check right. that. But yeah, I think it's. I don't think we play them for a little bit. One other thing from this game, John Brooks. Oh my, John Brooks. Before this World Cup qualifying window, probably viewed as the best center back on this U.S. team. The U.S. gave up two goals in this World Cup qualifying window. Both of them can be directly attributed to John Brooks being bad. The one against Canada, he just stopped, right? Like he was like Canada had like a two on three break. Just said, oh boy. He he could see yes. he oh could boy. see the ball and two of his teammates <laughs> ahead of him. And for some reason he stopped to try to play a guy offside, even though there was zero chance he could have been offside. He just stopped and we gave up a goal to Canada. And then last night, for whatever reason, he stepped up to try to intercept the pass. Completely whiffed. And then didn't hustle back to his position. And the way Honduras scored, they just played the ball right into where John Brooks normally would have been positioned. And it was a free shot on goal. Two goals we didn't allowed. hustle. We allowed two goals in 270 minutes. And both of them you look at and say, well, that should have been our best center back. Greg Berhalter took him off at halftime. You don't normally see center backs come off at halftime unless there's like an injury or a red right. card or something right. like that. He took a center back off at halftime because John Brooks was dreadful. Now, thankfully... We have three or four other center backs you could reasonably say, hey, that guy could be the starter for a team that goes to the World Cup. But John Brooks, I, that was a terrible window for Have him. you changed your opinion on the on the coach? 
Greg Berhalter wasn't great in this window last night, man. He played our best defensive midfielder at right back. Uh, and he changed the formation, played two center forwards when we don't even know if we have one good one. It wasn't great. It doesn't appear you've changed your opinion on the coach. <laughs> to be fair to Greg Berhalter, his substitutes last night won the game. The first goal was Anthony Robinson scoring after a cross from Sebastian Legette. Both those guys came in at halftime, right? Brendan Aronson scored the third goal. He came in at halftime. Sebastian Legette scored the fourth goal. He came in at halftime. The substitutions changed the game. Like a big reason they come back to win that is because of the substitutions that he made. And he got Josh Sargent and John Brooks, two of the worst players in the first half, off the field. So he deserves some credit for what happened in the second half, but we did not play well and we did not look good for these three games. And again, until that second half, we had scored seven goal or eight goals in nine and a half of the last games. Like we have not been scoring until that second half. So they got to figure that out because we we're, we're not going to the world cup winning games. One, nothing. We're not, we're not qualifying. If we could only score one goal a game, it's just, just not happening. We're going to have to have games where we score two and three times. And they've only done that once in their last 10 games coming up next. At JR Sarkis on Twitter, brought to you by Liquor World, Instagram, at JR Makes Drinks. Cape Town Executive, Southern Glazer Wine Spirits in Nevada, our elite mixologist. How are you, buddy? I'm good. Good morning. How are you guys? Yeah, we're okay. I get to come in after soccer every single week now. Is that my thing? Is that no, what it is? Or no, what? World, World Cup qualifying's off for about another month, so wait, wait a month, and then you'll get to follow soccer. Ricardo Pepe! We've been <laughs> saved by a teenager, JR. I know. They were like, uh, when I was listening to the, the bits that Jared was putting on, I mean, they are fired up for this Pepe guy, whoever he is. I was like, wow, all right. I like it. I'm into it. I enjoy you singing his name. I will appreciate more of that in October when he scores more goals for us. <laughs> you got it. I'll sing it. Oh, it's exciting. You don't want, you really don't want that, do you? No, no, I do. Uh, if we're winning, <laughs> oh, absolutely. he wants it if they're oh, winning. Absolutely. Yeah. If Ricardo Pepe scores a hat trick, yeah. you, we're, I'll sing with you next month. Okay. Well, that's not now. Happen, now so. I don't want it. <laughs> do you uh, do you do fantasy football? No. Um, you oh, know, it's funny. My son was. Yeah, I am the one. My son was doing fantasy football okay. uh, with some of his with some of his baseball buddies, and he's asking me questions like, "Dad, who do you think I should take?" I said, "Listen, do not ask me this question. I am horrible at fantasy football. Uh, the last time I did fantasy football uh, was when Peyton Manning was still in the league, and it was the year that he hurt his neck." And he was my first pick, and I said, never again. I'm done. That's it. So, uh, yeah, I am horrible at fantasy football. Uh, I think I had – I forget who my running back was that year, but he also got hurt. So, it was just it – it was a mess. So, I, I, you know, came in dead last. Thank God it was just – it wasn't a, one of those leagues that some of my friends are in that it's really expensive to get in. But if you're in the bottom three finishers, you have to double – you have to re-input your entry fee um, as, a, as a penalty. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, so so what? it basically stops you from trying to be, from just from just saying the heck with it. If you're there's, I think there's twelve twelve teams or ten teams. But if you're in the bottom three, you have to put in your entry fee again, and I think it's two thousand dollars to enter that one. Ooh. Okay, yeah, you're making a lot of money over at Southern Glades Spine Spirits and Matt if you're doing that. So you're saying if it's a two grand in and you stink, you're given four overall. Yes, if you cause what <laughs> what their their plan is, it's kind of brilliant. Is like. You know, towards the end of the season, people are like, all right, well, I got no chance to heck with it, and I'm giving up. And so it's a way for them to keep trying. So that way, you know, if you got a, a great team, you know, the number one seed versus somebody who's garbage, um, and then, you know, maybe there's a, there's a seed that, you know, needs that team to lose or to win to get into the playoffs, they're trying to, they're trying to win the game anyway. They're not just giving up or trading bad players or, or trading their players away or just, 
you know, not putting a lineup in to lose the game because they know if they come in last, if they come in the last three spots, they have to redo their entry fee again, which is another, I think, I think it's $2,000. Is that better or worse than like the fantasy leagues that punish the last place person by like making them spend 24 hours at an IHOP or stand on the side of the road with a sign or get a tattoo that says I lost fantasy football. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Cause that's kind of what my son's group is. They have a, it's, it's they're you know, they're, they're high school kids. So the entry fee is $5. So it's not much, but the, uh, but the, the loser, the guy who comes in last place um, will have to do a basically kind of a, um, uh, what is that? Uh, a impractical joker style challenge that they cannot refuse. And um, so I, they're talking already about, you know, making the kid go in and eat like six of the Buffalo wild wings, hot, like super Ooh. hot wings, whatever those is, whatever those are called. Running, naked, running naked through the quad. Well, maybe you know, they talked about like making them set up a lemonade stand on a busy corner and then, you know, uh, just having to sell lemonade all day in a hot lemonade wow. on a busy corner and then donate all the money they make. Well, um, you know, by the time the season's over, the kid will be in a parka. So don't worry about that. <laughs> you are uh, you're going to remember 9-11 this week. Can you explain how? Yeah. So, you know, a couple what? years ago, um, Press I, I was box fortunate enough transition. That, no, that's that's what he's that's what the drinks. Well, we gotta get onto the drink. I know, we know, we know. We gotta get onto the drink. Just, it's just yeah, fantasy football punishments. Nine eleven. <laughs> well, it's the twentieth anniversary. We're all feeling you know, uh, you know, sad and remembrance and all of that. But it's also nine thirty nine. We need to get on with the drink. That is, that is exactly why Jared has the sounder. Yes, press box, press box transition. Can we hear it one more time? Press box transition. There you go. Tell us about the drink. Gosh, I don't even know if I should anymore. Um, so, no, a couple of years ago, I was very fortunate to have um, two of the original 12 Green Berets that were the first um, soldiers to go into northern Afghanistan after the 9-11 attacks um, in, in, in New York. Uh, so Bob Pennington and Scott Neal, they actually came into the studio with us at that particular time. And I, I think you should you probably remember that. We actually designated an entire hour uh, to listening to the story of, of these two gentlemen. Um, but while I don't have time, because we're up against the time crunch apparently, uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to showcase Horse Soldier Bourbon because Horse Soldier Bourbon is a bourbon that is uh, made by these men, um, and it is very much dedicated to our, our United States military, uh, the Horse Soldiers, the Green Berets, the Special Forces, and anybody serving. Um, Horse Soldier Bourbon, each bottle is actually made from uh, metal that was once the World Trade Towers. Uh, so it, when you touch a bottle of this stuff, it, you're, you're kind of touching a bit of history in, in my mind. Um, they have four different SKUs. They have a, their classic bourbon. They have a small batch, and then they have a barrel strength, and they have a 12-year-old, which is kind of a little bit more expensive. But I felt it appropriate to not only talk about these, these whiskey but make a cocktail with it. I thought an old-fashioned would be not only good for the game tonight, but memory of 9-11 on Saturday, uh, and then for whatever else on the weekend and football as you go along. Simple drink to make, but I often see it made very, very poorly in a lot of places. Um, so the best way to do it is just take like a rocks glass um, and take a bar spoon of sugar or a sugar cube. Um, if you don't have either one of those, you don't want to use one of those, like a half of an ounce of simple syrup will do the trick. A couple peels of orange. I'm not talking about the whole slice of orange like you see a lot of bars do or they muddle the cherry in there too. I'm not talking that. Take two peels of, of orange and muddle the orange with the sugar and some bitters. Use the bitters to kind of soften the sugar rather than club soda. Muddle those things together for a bit in the bottom of a rocks glass, no ice or anything like that yet. 
muddle them together because the sugar will start to extract some of the essence of the orange. Uh, once that's muddled together, add a nice healthy pour of horse soldier bourbon. Um, a couple ounces, two to two and a half ounces will be, will be great. Add ice and give it a stir. And the reason you're stirring now is to incorporate the muddled ingredients that you've put at the bottom of the glass to dilute the whiskey a little bit and to incorporate all the ingredients together. Um, garnish it with an orange slice. Then you can garnish it with a cherry if you like. But that is a very simple, elegant, classic way of making an old-fashioned uh, that will do uh, you very well for, for any party that you have at your house, but a great way to kind of sit back and reminisce or remember 9-11, 20-year anniversary. I remember many, meeting those gentlemen and getting a bottle. I still have it. Uh, not going to touch it. Uh, honored to have one of those bottles and to meet them and to see what they've done uh, in memory. I, I thought that was awesome when you brought them in. Yeah, they're, they're, they're incredible guys. Hearing their stories cool. They have a series called Whiskey and War Stories. When they travel back to town, we will be doing a Whiskey and War Stories, and we'll make sure that we can kind of promote where, whenever we do that because you'll, you'll see videos and slides and pictures of their time in Afghanistan. Um, the movie 12 Strong and there's another one, Legion mm-hmm. of Brothers. They, the Legion of Brothers is kind of their documentary. The movie 12 Strong is the Hollywood version, but when I spoke with them, they told me they're like, there are some Hollywood things that they changed around, but the movie and what they experienced is pretty spot on. So if you want to sit back and watch a movie and see what these guys encountered um, and, and what they had to do when they went into northern Afghanistan to conquer the Taliban and, and train soldiers that knew nothing about fighting, uh, it's a remarkable, remarkable story to know that when they were told they were going to go in, they, they were told, hey, we don't expect you to come out. You're not going to live through this. And every single one of them, all 12 of them, made it out alive. You said that every bottle of uh, Horse Soldier is made with metal from the uh, World Trade Centers? That's correct, yeah. So when you forge a bottle of whiskey, when you forge the bottle, there's a lot of bottles that are made, um, you know, a, a standard. Um, but they were going to do the same thing, but when some of their connections after they went during the cleanup, um, one of their buddies who was helping with the cleanup had, he had all the metal, the scraps. And he, he called the guys. He's like, I don't know if you want to do anything with this, but we're going to get rid of it. Do you want anything with it? He did his research and he figured out that the same kind of very, very tough and, um, and, and tough metal that you need to use to make a bottle because it's enduring so much heat in the making of a, of a, of a bottle was the same metal that was in steel, I should say, that was in the World Trade Towers. They took it, they, they took it and used it now to mold their bottles. So every single bottle that is of horse soldier bourbon, the shape of it is molded from steel that was once the World Trade Towers. Yeah. My goal is... When they come back, I want Jared to have a bottle. He'll appreciate the uh, historical significance of that. Yeah, it's incredible stuff, man. The story's, in, the story's nuts. I, I, I could spend two hours just talking about this stuff, um, and, and listening to them speak yeah. is an incredible thing. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled and I'm honored that I got to do it a couple times that I have, and I'm looking forward to the next time I get to do it as well. Follow him on Twitter at JR Starkus, Instagram, JR Makes Drinks. He'll be on there today to uh, review everything that was said on the show. Southern Glazers Wine, Spirits Nevada, and brought to you by Liquor World. All right, buddy. Have a good weekend. We appreciate it. Thanks, JR. You bet, guys. Enjoy Thanks, the weekend. Yeah. Thank you. Phenomenal transition. That was that was one of the best. And I and here's the thing. I don't blame you at all for it because that's nine thirty eight. We got to get to the drink. That's, but that's what Jr. That's what he's. That's what he was talking about. He's ta- talking about the horse soldier and how it honors nine eleven. It's just so great that it's like, yeah, 
My sons are my son and his friends are talking about making them eat the six hottest wings at Buffalo Wild Wings. I said running naked so through the running, yes. running naked through the quad. You draw your breath to the nine eleven to drink first. Let us talk about it. <laughs> hey, you gotta move quick, right? You gotta move fast. All right. Ed's out of here. Jared's gonna talk way too much in the final segment. You're locked in the press box. Ed is gone. Jared's still here. Before I let Jared talk too much, you can meet Josh Jacobs this Saturday out at Ford Country on 280 North Gibson in Henderson. Meet and greet is on Saturday from 3 to 4.30. Bring a couple of food items to donate as well. You can go to lbsportsnetwork.com for more details. But Q from our sister station over on Raider Nation Radio will be out there with Josh Jacobs. If you want to meet Josh Jacobs, Saturday from from 3 to 4.30 at Ford Country in Henderson. Henderson. I would like to say congratulations to Steven, who won a four pack of tickets to see Iowa State at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, We have more to give away tomorrow. Yes, we do. All right. So if you want to win tickets to go see UNLV Iowa State, we will have another four pack tomorrow. Uh, But yeah. All right. Do you have anything you want to talk about, Jared? I mean, I'm kind of wanted to ask if you thought that the Hall of Fame induction yesterday was just like kind of flew completely under the radar and also did you see that one of the inductees was just wearing a big old spongebob pen pen yeah like on his his lapel really oh he was giving a speech taylor taylor who's taylor oh I i do not know who got inducted to the hall of fame yesterday besides Derek jeter that's the only person i know and oh uh larry walker i believe also was inducted yesterday that's it I know nothing else about it. The only thing I saw was I was watching the Larry Walker was wearing it. My okay. Bad. I, Larry I, Walker had a SpongeBob pin on. I like Larry Walker. He's yes. a superstar. It's just, it's just one of the weirdest. Like it was just like, was there any explanation as to why Larry Walker was wearing a SpongeBob? Oh, I'm looking at it right now. That's a big pin. <laughs> that's a, yeah, no, this that's is not a, even a subtle pin. Like sometimes you see people with the American flag pin and it's really small and you can't tell what that is a huge pin. Apparently, uh, okay, according to Yahoo Finance, which is a weird one for that to be, who's reporting on the Hall of Fame? Yahoo Finance. He repped his SpongeBob SquarePants pin again. This is the second time that he has worn a SpongeBob. Wait a minute. I'm looking at a tweet. There's a SpongeBob shirt in the Hall of Fame. This This is all news to me. There's a picture of Larry Walker wearing a giant, it's just a black shirt, and it says, ain't no ordinary sponge, and has SpongeBob on it, obviously. What is, does he, does he love SpongeBob? Yes, apparently. But why is the shirt in the Hall of Fame? I like Larry Walker a lot now. I don't know what's happening here, but that is a giant SpongeBob pen, because listen, the crowning achievement of your athletic career is getting voted into the Hall of Fame, and Larry Walker decided, you know who's going to honor this with me? SpongeBob. Okay, I found a I found the display, and I'm trying to zoom in on on January 1st, 2020, when he received the call from the Baseball Writers Association had voted him. He was wearing a NASCAR style shirt <laughs> that was a SpongeBob. Square pants shirt. So when he found out he had made the Hall of Fame, he was wearing a SpongeBob Square Pants shirt. 
Not, like not even shirt. This is not a shirt. Right, NASCAR style shirt. Yeah, yeah that's a good is... way to describe it. It's a it's a button down. There's like handles on the shoulders or whatever something whatever you'd call those. Like it's yeah, it's like it's probably fire retardant. Like <laughs> so he loves SpongeBob so much that a he not only owns like a lapel pen and this NASCAR style shirt. But he wears them frequently enough that when he's getting called to say, hey, you're going to the Hall of Fame, he's like, guess what? I'm wearing my SpongeBob shirt. Why is that in the Hall of Fame? It's apparently that apparently we missed it going viral because it went. This is the second time him and SpongeBob have gone viral. Larry Walker and SpongeBob. How old is, is SpongeBob older than Larry Walker? No, I mean not not older. Is was SpongeBob out before Larry Walker started playing baseball? I want to say '98, but SpongeBob aired in 1999, so probably oh. not. Larry Walker was in the early '90s when it was the start of his career. SpongeBob's old. Yeah, it's it's one of those shows that I think they've canceled it like three times. I did. They're like, eh, it's just good. Do they still make new SpongeBob's? Like yeah. they're just not all repeats at this point. They're no, still they new still SpongeBob's. Yep. Good God. It's one of, I will say, outside of Star Trek, it's one of the reasons to get Paramount Plus. There's new episodes on Paramount Plus? They're not on, like, they don't put them on Nickelodeon or something? Well, I assume they do both, but, you know, I want to watch it. My, I want to watch SpongeBob on my time. 13 seasons, 268 episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants. Incredible. Runtime, 11 minutes. What? They're not that short.